The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, it's a Wednesday edition of PFTPM here on Peacock and Sirius XM 85. It's 70 degrees here in West Virginia today, and I decided to wear my brand new, very thick, very hot Cardinals quarter zip, and I worked out before the show, so... Hot tamale, you sweating. Yeah. I'm going to be sweating. I'm going to be sweating. Yes, without the molly. Maybe I should have popped the molly. Hello, Miles, how are you? I don't know what that means. I said hot tamale, I don't know what that to means. be clear. Oh, I, I thought you said hot tamale. Quote, well, no, I did. I didn't actually quote the, the line, but, you know, then yeah. you went there. So, <laughs> never mind. Maybe we should just I don't know what it means. You I remember asking my son. I remember asking my son when he was 14, what's that mean? And he still hasn't told me. Uh, shout out to my mom who actually thought the line was uh, purposes, mighty purposes, and not uh, quoting a drug. Sorry to out you like that, mom, to a national tell to a national audience, but uh, you know that is what it is. It's a, I you're, wasn't you're sweating. I is. was in the chair. <laughs> I was in the chair for five minutes before the show, and I didn't start sweating until the show began. You're I don't get it. To talk to me, huh, Mike? Hey, wow, to make you clam yes. up a little bit. <laughs> yes, it's actually Let's hotter it is in right West now. Virginia than it is to uh, than it is here in Santa Monica today. It's only about like sixty four degrees. It's beautiful. It's sixty four it. exactly here. It's sixty four exactly here. Oh, but wow, here where I'm sitting, it feels like it's uh, eighty eighty five. This doesn't help. <laughs> I I just got it yesterday. I ordered it at NFLShop.com. See, I'm not a complete jerk. NFL. I support the causes. <laughs> I paid full retail for this. I got the Cardinals Why? logo. I, I'm gonna try. I don't know. I don't want free stuff. I don't want to be beholden to anyone. I don't want to owe anybody anything. I will pay full price for everything, including a share of Green Bay Packers stock. Oh, Maybe. but you can't criticize right. them. You can't criticize them. Hey, Browns, you still what? haven't put those hoodies on, on the NFLshop.com, all right, that Kevin Stefanski's been wearing. Speaking of things on NFL Shop, I'll pay full price for that, too. I still don't get that. I, if they're going to wear it on either. the sideline, make it available. People will. Right. That's the whole idea. The, the coaches are the human organic models of the the product. That's why they make hey, them Kevin do it. That's Savansky's why they don't let, let them wear too, suits. Man. So, <laughs> I mean, if, if you're not going to sell the stuff they wear, let them wear suits like Tom Landry did and Jack Del Rio for a couple of weeks, although it, it didn't yeah. work for Jack Del Rio or Mike <laughs> Nolan. It definitely worked for Tom Landry. Okay, uh, so, um, I don't know, more small talk? Now let's get to it because I got my Cardinals thing on. Where's my go. Cardinals thing? Cardinals thing. Cardinals lead the news today because Kyler Murray, who has missed a couple of games due to an ankle that he sprained on the penultimate, that's a Columbia word, play Ooh. of the Week 8 Thursday night game against Green Bay. Here's the play right before the interception in the end zone because A.J. Green didn't look back because for some reason he thought it was a running play. That's a different issue entirely. Kyler Murray has missed two games. He is pretty close to being ready to play. I was told on Sunday and reported on Football Night in America because that's when I really try to bring, you know, actual news and not just the stuff I make up from Saturday to Monday but or, or Monday to Saturday. But uh, I, I reported that there's a good chance he'll play this weekend against the Seahawks. The one thing they have to balance, they got their bye week after this game in Seattle. So you give him an extra game, you give him an extra week, you know he's going to be a hell of a lot closer to 100% after the bye. So that's what I think they're trying to figure out here. But he says he's pretty close to being ready to play. They, they, need, they can't start racking up losses. It helped them that the Rams lost. But still, you want to end this. You don't want this streak to continue. You don't want, want to go into your bye week with two straight losses. Three straight. Well, yeah, two straight losses and three straight games that would have been without him. Yeah, I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm trying to. I want you to be. They wrong, did beat Mike. the 49ers. 
Thank I you. Know. Thanks. Yeah, I know. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. Look, it's interesting too because it, as of Kyler Murray's been talking, you know, he's basically been saying, you know, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, I'm getting closer, I'm this, I'm that. But he actually got back on the practice field last Friday, and then he was also practicing today. So I think that it's not just the words now; it's you have tangible evidence that he is getting closer to actually returning. And I also feel like if you're the Arizona Cardinals, you want to get after that number one seed as much as you possibly can. And yes, that game that you lost to the Green Bay Packers does mean a lot at this point because it is one of those potential tiebreakers. But also because the Rams are good, despite what they showed against the 49ers, um, and they could come after you in that division, I feel like that also is a little bit more motivation for the Cardinals to make sure that they can stay a game ahead of the LA Rams and then also make sure you're getting Kyler Murray back on the field so you have the best chance to win. I mean, Colt McCoy also was on the practice field today and he's got that strain pack, but I think that the Panthers kind of showed the limitations of what Colt McCoy can do against a decent defense. And there's an argument to be made that Seattle's not the decent defense, but at the same time, it's a division rival. They know these two teams very, uh, these two teams know each other very, very well. So if Kyler Murray can get back on the field, he needs to be back on the field. Yeah, absolutely. And they've got the Seahawks this weekend who are three and six, increasingly desperate, zero points scored in Green Bay this past weekend. They are going to be bringing the Cardinals everything the Cardinals can handle. So they need all their best players. They need Kyler Murray. They need DeAndre Hopkins, who has mm-hmm. not been practicing and has missed a couple of games as well. So we'll see how that plays out. Big game, though, coming up on Sunday in Seattle as the Seahawks try to avoid falling to 3-7, and seven, which just is not what we're accustomed to with the Seattle Seahawks in any way, shape, or form. We are accustomed to the Carolina Panthers having Cam Newton. Hasn't been that way for a year and a half. Now he's back. Here's Matt Rule, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, regarding – where Cam stands as they try to work him toward being ready to start this weekend against the Washington football team and whether or not Rule thinks Cam will be ready to go when Sunday rolls around. I think we're probably trending that way, to be quite honest with you. I just, you know, I, I'm not going not gonna to probably pull that trigger till later. But I think that, you know, I, I mean, I was pretty transparent the other day uh, in terms of, you know, we're wanting to, we're wanting to push him, I think, um, into that role. I think it's, you know, good for our team. But, um, um you know, we're getting PJ ready as well. And uh, I think, uh, as I said, you know, I think game plan wise, we, you know, we could we could see a we could see a myriad of different things happen. Hey, look, they're going to use the guy. It's exciting. Right. <laughs> it's fun. He's better than PJ Walker. All due respect to PJ Walker. This is Cam Newton. This is the guy who was only unemployed because there wasn't a clear defined need for a starting quarterback for the rest of the year anywhere else. The Panthers were the first ones to decide either due to injury or Sam Darnold being more like the New York Jets Sam Darnold that they were ready to turn the page and forget about their starter and go to someone else and their next man up wasn't somebody they felt comfortable pivoting to. Worked out perfectly. It just so happened, coincidentally, it was Carolina. So I think Cam Newton is right when he says he's one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. He showed it in limited action on Sunday. And a, a game that I otherwise would have looked at and said, huh, you know, <laughs> they got to play They got to play the good ones and the bad ones. That one moved from bad category to good category for me after last weekend. Oh, for sure, especially given their opponent. And he's basically facing the entire uh, former Carolina Panthers coaching staff that now is there um, with Washington and with Ron Rivera. So I think that part of it makes it really interesting. But, I mean, look, man, you get Cam Newton back with the team that he was with for so long that he won the MVP with, that he was able to lead to Super Bowl 50 against the Denver Broncos. You know, it's really kind of exciting, man. It just it brings a lot of juice, and I think that that place – is going to be really electric. Bank of America's stadium in Charlotte when he gets introduced, presumably as the starter on Sunday. And I think that, you know, even for Ron Rivera, as we've talked about today, you know, he doesn't want it to be too emotional. He's thinking about this trip as a business trip, his first trip 
back to Bank of America Stadium since he was fired as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And you're going to be on the opposite sideline and you see Cam Newton get introduced and the crowd goes wild. Like, that's going to stir up some emotion, probably even in Ron Rivera, right? I just, I feel like that's going to be the case. So it, it's going to be fun to see exactly what Cam Newton brings to that offense. Because we've got to remember, this is not, even though it's the same Carolina Panthers, it's not the same offense that he was a part of when he was still there, right? Again, all that stuff is now in Washington. So how much can they really get into with him as a QB? You know, he's working hard to prepare for that. Um, it, it's just going to be interesting to see how much he's going to, to be able to play and how much of the offense they're going to be able to run with him as a QB. And I think part of the challenge is, and Sims and I talked about this yesterday on PFT Live, it's not about taking Cam Newton and making him fit Joe Brady's offense. I think the smart thing to do is take Joe Brady's offense and make it fit Cam Newton. That's what the Panthers should be trying to do. Picking the plays that work for Newton, dusting off some old plays if need be. Cognizant of the fact that as Ron Rivera, coach of the Washington football team, told me on Sunday, he does indeed have a file of plays that he has been carrying around to use on defense in the event that he ever has to face Cam Newton. And Ron Rivera is a guy who, when he was a defensive coordinator, he would befuddle and confound Peyton F. Manning on a regular basis. I can recall before he got the job in Carolina, I was saying annually, someone in the AFC South, hire this guy to be your head coach because Peyton Manning can't crack his defense and or he has cracked the code on Peyton Manning. So that's the big subplot to this one. The Ron Rivera knowledge of Cam Newton that he brings to this and how quickly the Panthers can figure out how they're going to use Cam, but then how Rivera is going to defend Cam because Rivera is light years ahead of Joe Brady and Matt Rule when it comes to knowing what Cam can and can't do. That's what makes this one far more fascinating than if it was Panthers Saints, Panthers Falcons, Panthers anyone but a team coached by Ron Rivera. Absolutely. And you know what? I think it's going to be interesting to see how they decide to use the run because that really is going to be the key, right? I mean, it's not about what Cam Newton can do passing the ball. Yeah, you're going to want to back guys out of the box probably in order to make sure that they're not loading things up too much. But you have to if you're Washington because you know that the Panthers have Christian McCaffrey and they have Cam Newton. So if you're Joe Brady, it's going to be all right. How many different ways can we make this look different to anything that Washington might have seen before when that that staff had Cam Newton and also Christian McCaffrey for themselves, right? So there's got to be a lot that they have in terms of knowing not just what Cam Newton can do well, but also what Christian McCaffrey can do well. You got to remember, Christian McCaffrey didn't play in that game last year um, where Carolina beat Washington at Washington. So this is kind of a really, really, really different matchup between these two teams now here because, like I said, you have the QB and the running back that were stars for this coaching staff. And if you're Joe Brady, you probably want to run the ball upwards of like 40 times in this game. If you do that, then they're probably on a winning track between the way Christian McCaffrey can run it, the way Chuba Hubbard can run it, and also the way Cam Newton can run it. If that's the case and they can really get after Washington's defense, then yeah, that's not just the formula for Carolina beating Washington this week, but it's also the formula for them to continue to win games and make it to the postseason. Meanwhile, in Cleveland, quarterback Baker Mayfield, who exited Sunday's loss to the Patriots with a knee contusion, Kevin Stefanski, coach of the team, said recently that Mayfield could have actually continued, but it was 45-7 to or close to it at that point. There's no reason to put him back out on the field when he's already banged up. Mayfield said today he's probably the most beat up that he's ever been. We go all the way back to week two. The tackle he made after a turnover against the Texans. Left shoulder messed up. You can see the harness. You know, I'm trying to conceal it anymore. The harness is visible that's holding his left shoulder in a spot where it makes it less difficult for him to throw the football. But he hasn't been good this year. The Browns are disappointing and underachieving at 5-5. Five and five. They've got the Lions coming to town, which is good news. The 0-8-1 Lions with Tim Boyle at quarterback most likely instead of Jared Goff because Goff has an injury or an injury as the case may be we know that Mayfield has an injury well I 
would it be that crazy to think that Jared Goff isn't really injured, but they want to try someone else without starting this revolving door? We bench Jared Goff. Oh, no, we didn't bench Jared Goff. He's just injured. And then if Tim Boyle stinks, Jared Goff is healthy to play on Thanksgiving, the one game a year that anyone gives a crap about the Lions. That's not high-end conspiracy Mike stuff. I think that's low-hanging fruit. I know it's not tinfoil hat Mike stuff, and I realize this also is not what we're supposed to be talking about. But I like having covered Jared Goff for the time I have, like that's not necessarily something that Goff is going to want to. Like Goff really takes a lot of pride in being available, and there was a quote a while ago that said he didn't want to be, you know, considered soft by anybody's standards. So today he was saying that it's more about functionality. If he can actually fire the ball with any velocity off the oblique, then yeah, he wants to be playing. So I just. I'm not. I don't want to go there with like they're oh. benching. If they if they're gonna bench Jared, did he Goff, also say he was Jared immunized Goff. today? Did he also say he was no. immunized today? Look, <laughs> no, he I, did not. But I just I don't know. I I I don't I, I don't want to do that to Jared Goff. I don't. Well, if but if the him, Lions bench him, well, but but this is a way to do it in a manner that saves face for him, and it avoids this perception that they don't know what they're doing as if the 08 and one record didn't already I mean, come on yeah there we go confirm that <laughs> but but at least even though winless they still are a functional football organization and we're not benching jared goff and seeing what tim boyle can do before we say oh crap we can't trust this guy either let's go back to golf i just i think it's not out of the question that they're looking for a soft landing from the jared goff era i'm still confused you know, they knew that they were taking Goff off the Rams' hands and getting a first-round pick specifically to take Goff, and then he becomes their franchise quarterback. I don't know why they expected anything different than what they've gotten, frankly. Back to Mayfield. Back yeah, okay. to your Cleveland Browns instead okay. of your buddy Jared Goff. Your He's Cleveland Browns. Okay. Just keep going okay. with what you're saying. You I know, and I, I you and I eventually will be former <laughs> colleagues too at this rate. <laughs> well, yeah. So, once you die, but we're not even Friday closer to death yet. So, <laughs> Miles is injured on Friday. We're bringing in Tim Boyle to co-host. Um, anyway, is Baker Mayfield in your mind the future of the Browns? Oh boy. It's interesting. I mean, you've brought this up about like the whole Mayfield contract thing, right? He's clearly not a quarterback that should be paid 40 million a year for the next, however many years. Right. I I think that we have established that by now he's just far too inconsistent for the Browns to invest in him like that. But I think the Browns last week showed us the way that they want to construct their team from the front lines and back, right? Like they have now two really high paid guards they have a very high paid center. They just drafted Jedrick Wills last year as their left tackle. You know that they're wanting to build this thing as a running team, like the old days of the AFC central before the Browns moved and they've got Mac and Biner and all these different things. Like that's the way the Browns want to play. So if you have that, then what does that mean for the QB position? Well, if you pay Mayfield, can you get him to take a second tier quarterback contract, which is not really something that exists right now at this point. But I feel like if you can get him to do that, where you're not paying him 40 mil, but maybe you were saying something like between 25 and 30, then yeah, he can be because he's the best Browns quarterback that's basically been there in my lifetime, right? I mean, he is now the most winningest quarterback at Cleveland Brown Stadium or First Energy Stadium, whatever they call it, when it was Ben Roethlisberger before. Okay. So like that means something. However, if in the off season, you can get one of these guys like an Aaron Rodgers or uh, uh, Russell Wilson to be interested in your franchise, then that's where you pull, do what the Rams did. Right. And you say, well, you know, you're a quarterback right now, but if we can upgrade and it's a clear upgrade, then we got to ex- at least explore that. And, you know, Baker Mayfield is going to be PO'd for all of eternity. And who knows what they do with those uh, progressive commercials, because those are really good commercials. But, like, I, I just I feel like the Browns are in a position where if you can get Mayfield to take a second-tier contract, yeah, all right. But if you can get one of the top-tier QBs, you've got to at least explore that. Well, especially because, and since we're already detoured to the Lions, let's detour to the team, the Lions, tied this past weekend. Sims and I were kicking around today 
the very strong possibility that the Steelers, if Ben Roethlisberger is gone after this mm-hmm. season, won't go draft a guy and hope that they can develop a guy quickly. They become a very attractive franchise for a veteran quarterback looking to stack the deck in his favor. Great defense, emerging running threat in Najee Harris, great group of receivers, excellent head coach, great fan base, just add quarterback, and you got a Super Bowl championship contender. So if the Steelers are going to be in the mix, the Browns better think about getting in the mix too because if you can attract Russell Wilson to you or Aaron Rodgers to you, the net gain is we get him and they don't. Yep. Which is a huge difference if you can be the one to win that tug of war between the Steelers and the Browns. So it's something to keep an eye on. And look, they oh, got hey, Mayfield under contract for one more year Tomlin at eighteen point five million. Making eyes at each other too. Oh, I, I know. I know. That. Mm-hmm. And Mayfield's under contract for one more year at eighteen and a half million, fully guaranteed, just like Sam Darnold. And we know oh, what the boy. Panthers are going to do with Sam Darnold. So I, I think that that depending upon what happens these next seven games for the five and five Browns. Some important chapters are going to be written in the future of Baker Mayfield as a member of the team. All right, Joe Flacco, speaking of another team from the AFC North, the Ravens. Once upon a time, their franchise quarterback. Once upon a time, the highest paid player in all of football. Actually, twice he held that mantle. He now is likely to start for the New York Jets on Sunday. Here's Robert Sala talking about starting the veteran, the elite Joe Flacco. Joe is uh, uh, just that veteran. One of the reasons why we went and got Joe is for the experience part of it, not only for the playing ability and uh, but for the room, but also for situations just like this. You know, Miami's got a, a dynamic uh, uh, coverage system as, as it pertains to defense with zero and all the different coverages they run, and, and Joe's kind of been there, done that, and uh, just kind of a steadying experience uh, that we felt would put us in the best position to win. You know, as our own Josh Alper pointed out today, and he is a Jets aficionado, maybe Rex Ryan is right. (laughs) Because it was just the other day that Robert Sala was saying Mike White doesn't deserve the treatment he's received. He goes from being heralded as the unlikely franchise quarterback supplanting Zach Wilson to being cast aside. And now Robert Sala casts him aside for Joe Flacco who, by the way, is unvaccinated, yeah. which, is a, which is a surprise, frankly. Uh, but uh, that's part of the reality now. The Jets have a quarterback that they have to worry about a positive any given day, every given day. Although there are people who think Zach Wilson isn't vaccinated either. So well, maybe it will be Mike White. Maybe, maybe, maybe it, we saw it happen last week with Ben Roethlisberger. We saw it, even though he's vaccinated. We saw it the week before with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe it still will be Mike White. But for now... Joe Flacco, the guy for the Jets. Yeah, well, I mean, as we were talking about Rex Ryan, I probably want to give at least a foot of distance between myself and anything that he says to try to agree, you know, or disagree. But yeah, I, I, I just don't get this coaching decision. I really don't. I don't. Because look, what is the point of starting Joe Flacco? What is the point? You I, really best chance to win like this. I don't know, man. Like, we've seen Joe Flacco. We saw him get supplanted in Baltimore by Lamar Jackson. We saw him last year play uh, for the Jets against the Dolphins. As Again, as our own Josh Alper pointed out in his post, look, he was 21 of 44 for 186 yards with an interception. The Jets got shut out 20 to 0 against the Dolphins. Right? Like what, what more are we going to learn about the Jets if they have Joe Flacco in there instead of Mike White? I, frankly, if it's me, I want to know – if Mike White can be at least a backup quarterback in my system. And the only way I'm really going to figure that out is if I keep putting him out there, even if he has more four pick games. If that's the case, then, you know, we know that we need to go out and do something else at backup QB. I just don't feel like there's anything that more that you need to see from Joe Flacco of all people in a year that at this point should be all about evaluation for the New York Jets. I just don't get this. It makes no sense to me. And you're right, because if Mike White is a guy that you value as part of your team as the understudy to Zach Wilson moving forward, every rep he gets now makes him better prepared to play in the future if Zach Wilson is injured. And what it also does, it puts him in a better position to help 
Zach Wilson, the more experience he has in those moments, the more defenses he sees, the more adversity he encounters, the more credibility he's going to have when it's time to talk to Zach Wilson on the sideline during a rough game and maybe give him that one little observation, that one little comment, that one little thing, you know, I saw this or I saw that or I've seen it. It, it just it, it is immeasurable. The benefit it can have to Zach Wilson. And also, you do want to know how good your number two is because you are likely going to need him at some point, and maybe you are going to want to find somebody else, or maybe you're going to be like the Steelers and know that your number two isn't good enough but still keep Mason Rudolph around. Either way, you know plenty about who your backup is the more you play him. And in hindsight, it really is odd they traded for Joe Flacco. I, 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 it's as simple as dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things, and the Jets yes. continue to show over and over again that they are dysfunctional and they are presumably at this point catering to the the whims of the fan base and the back pages of the tabloids that are now trashing Mike White and it may be a little more heat than Woody Johnson wants to take and you never know which of these decisions originate from the top of the organization because they never come out and admit it except when it makes them good to come out and take credit for it like when Stephen Ross took credit for putting the kibosh on the Deshaun Watson trade other than that well we don't have anything Uh to do with this it may be that you've just still got leadership at the top of the organization. And at some point, folks, the common thread in any of these dysfunctional teams isn't the general manager or the head coach because they change all the time. It's the the power structure above them that is making it harder for those people to do their jobs. And that, that may be the easiest explanation here. Ownership is getting a little skittish. They're confused. And they're telling the front office and the coaching staff to do something that maybe isn't the right thing for them to do. Well, as Joe Judge, the other New York team, said uh, the other day, right, the fish stinks from the head down. Now, he meant it in terms of being a head coach, but, like, he's not wrong, right? When you talk about these franchises and their dysfunction, it starts from ownership on down, and that's where the dysfunction starts, and that's how it starts to permeate everything in the organization. So, yeah, I think we agree here, right? It, It doesn't necessarily make sense, A, that in retrospect, the Jets even traded for Joe Flacco, especially after we saw what Mike White can do if he's playing within himself and playing within the offensive scheme. Now, I'm not necessarily somebody who was like, oh my gosh, Mike White is so good. Like, let's anoint him after what he did against the Cincinnati Bengals. But I really do wish we could have seen him play that full game against the Colts on Thursday night because he came out kind of slinging it in that game. And I thought that what he did well against the Bengals was just take what what was there. Right. You know, he wasn't thrown it necessarily down the field, but what he was doing was taking what the defense gave him and just playing within the offensive scheme to the best of his ability. And then when he started going against the Colts, he started throwing it down the field a little bit more. That one drive that he played, I thought he played really, really well. So, you know, obviously didn't show those kinds of things against the Bills where he's got four picks, right? And that makes you feel a little bit differently. But I, I don't know. I just I, I think that it makes more sense from an evaluation standpoint and a what are we building for the future standpoint to keep Mike White out there until Zach Wilson's healthy. And the other side of this, before we put a, a, a pin in it for now, how healthy is Zach Wilson? Is he healthy enough to play? And they just... I Okay, yeah. See, the, the, just, the Jared Goff thing you were doing before, I feel much more like that right now about Zach yeah, Wilson. Like, yeah, he's not Basically, 100%. I don't know Zach Wilson, yeah. but, my, you know... Yeah, yeah but he's exactly. not 100%, but he could play. But, you know, we decided that maybe, given where we are this year, we're better off letting him sit and learn and not get injured again and not make us look any dumber for taking Zach Wilson, although Sims continues to be a big believer in the guy. He's got that Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes quality where he can flick the wrist and get the ball 50 yards down the field, even though he looks like he ain't old enough to drive, which is very depressing. I I don't know if that's an old man thing. I don't know if he would look 12 years old to me if I was 20. I'd like to think that he still would, but he just looks really young. He looks really young. He may end up being the greatest quarterback of all time when he turns he 16. For now, though, it's going to take some time for Zach Wilson. No. He's like Doogie Hauser of quarterbacks. So uh, Doogie Hauser QB. Let's take a break. When we return, we're going to take a look at the 2015 first-round draft class, and we're going to redraft them, or maybe not. Taking a fresh look at the way they came off the board in April. We'll do that when this Wednesday edition of PFTPM continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. 
the longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Tyron Matthew with some observations about Mac Jones. He says Mac Jones wasn't trendy enough for y'all at first. Now y'all love him. Man, y'all funny day in and day out. Y'all should be on Comedy Central. I love Tyron Matthew, by the way. He don't throw sidearm or run fast, so people knocked him. Dude can play QB, period. And it's, it's, that's a confusing take because there's been a lot of pushback that I've noticed against the people who claim that Mac Jones is great and that hmm. Mac Jones is being excessively praised. Hmm. And there's almost like the anti-Tua mafia. Like there's the mafia <laughs> of the people who are looking to criticize those who dare praise Mac Jones and his dad bod. That's what I've noticed, that you can't say anything good about Mac Jones or they come after you the way they come after you if you say something bad about Tua. That's Maybe true. it's all the same it, people. It probably is. Yeah, you know, they all like uh, the they, – they, 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 oh, my goodness. They're the AFC East Mafia maybe, you know, and that's just the Tua Mafia. It's interesting. But I love Honey Badger too, by the way. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. And uh... – uh, he had a fumble recovery the other night while well, it was handed to him by Deshaun Jackson. I just keep waiting for him to have a moment. And he's a great leader. I loved him with the Cardinals, and he's a great member of that Kansas City Chiefs defense. All right, so what we're going to do, and I may have accidentally said 2015 draft earlier. If I did, I apologize. I was thinking 15 picks saw five quarterbacks taken, and the neurons misfired, as they often do. So what we're going to do now with the five teams who took quarterbacks – in round one, we're going to go back and see who they would, t- who we think they should take now, knowing what we know now. Miles, I'll start with you with the okay, first overall yeah. pick in the 2021 draft. The Jacksonville Jaguars take who or whom? Trevor Lawrence. I think that they stick with the same guy, and, and honestly, I think it because. Even though things have not necessarily worked out as well as Urban Meyer might have hoped that they would um, early on in Trevor Lawrence's career, I, I think the potential is still there. And frankly, I think that based on everything that we knew about Trevor Lawrence since he started as a true freshman with Clemson, won a national championship, he was already basically anointed then as the future uh, number one overall pick of the 2021 draft. I, I don't think that anything we've seen so far would make us think, wow, he can't do anything. He's going to be a bust, right? And obviously, you know, we're way too early on this, blah, 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 blah. But I just feel like if they could do it all over again, at this point, they'd still make that same decision. I think, and I I didn't want it to be me agreeing with you, because if we agree on the first one, then maybe we'll agree on the second one. It's not going to be any fun. It's true. Urban Meyer was at Ohio State. Justin Fields was at Ohio State. I think the benefit of seeing what Justin Fields can do at the NFL level would have been enough to get Urban Meyer to pivot back to Justin Fields. Having that half of a season of laboratory experiment to see what Fields is on the verge of becoming, I think that would be enough to get Meyer to say, I want my Ohio State guy. So even though though I'm not suggesting Lawrence is going to be a bust – I think if he had that crystal ball and knew that Fields wasn't going to be a bust, he'd have been more comfortable taking Fields. I I think that that's a fair argument. And I think that Justin Fields has shown that he could be the best quarterback out of this class, which is why I think if we had to do a redraft today, I'm giving Justin Fields to the New York Jets. Because, look, and I don't want to kill Zach Wilson right now, but I just feel like from what we've seen, especially that last drive that Justin Fields had against Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago. I mean, yes, Pittsburgh ended up winning that game. But I think what we saw from Justin Fields was a guy take his team down the field and put them in position to win with some really accurate, dynamic throws. And that's all you can ask for, I feel like, from a rookie QB, is does he show that he can be a dynamic guy? I really, really feel like Justin Fields has shown that. And frankly, I think that he might have shown it a little bit more at the college level, especially given the level of competition that he was going against at Ohio State and some of these other quarterbacks that were drafted before him. 
I think the Jets would take Trevor Lawrence at this point because they probably assume that their inability to properly coach Zach Wilson is a him problem, not a them problem. So if Fields is off the board, because I agree with you, if Fields is there, they'd take him. Fields is off the board, they take Lawrence because I think they're more inclined to blame Wilson than themselves for the fact that Wilson has yet to be what everyone thought Wilson was going to be. Yeah, and I think that that makes a lot of sense. But it also makes sense for me if we start looking at San Francisco at third overall, if they finally get Mac Jones. And that's the guy we kind of started the segment with. But look, Mac Jones looked like he was the most pro-ready quarterback at Alabama. And I think now that he's been in the league, some of this certainly has to do with the way the Patriots are bringing him along slowly and steadily. But he looks like the best of the bunch right now. Right? And I'm, that's not necessarily a surprise to me, again, given the environment that he got drafted into and the sort of similarities that you might say between the programs of Alabama and then the New England Patriots, given how close their head coaches are, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. So I think that because of that, there are already some rumblings, a lot of rumblings before the draft that San Francisco wanted Mac Jones. At this point, I feel like if they had done it and if they took him now, we wouldn't be seeing Jimmy Garoppolo still out there and they would have saved themselves $20 million. Well, and I know there are plenty of 49ers fans blindly loyal to the organization, and I respect them for that. They will not tolerate anyone saying that Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones, but people who know believe that he wanted Mac Jones and someone talked him out of wanting Mac Jones and pivoting to Trey Lance. Now, as we started to talk about Mac Jones, it occurred to me maybe the Jets would take Mac, Mac Jones just to keep him away from the Patriots. Uh-huh. Just just as the the net gain, like we talked about with Brown Steelers, possibly tug of war for Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. I hadn't thought about that angle. But I'm not going to mm-hmm. amend my pick. It's too late to go back and, and, and unplow the ground. I'll say Zach Wilson to the 49ers because Zach Wilson would give – Kyle Shanahan, the hybrid that I think he was looking for, the guy who can be the pocket passer and run the offense the way that Shanahan wants it to be run, but also improvise as needed, move around in the pocket, fling the ball the way Patrick Mahomes does. That that goes a long way toward rectifying the decision to not take Patrick Mahomes, and I think that Kyle Shanahan would do a much better job of coaching him up than the Jets did. Then again, Mike LaFleur was with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, and it's it's yet to really work out for Zach Wilson. But I think that the just total and complete lack of talent on the Jets roster has a lot to do with it. But I think that the way the board's played out on my side, Zach Wilson goes to the 49ers at number three. All right. I mean, I agree with that. I think that that makes a good amount of sense. But uh, so to recap, I guess, so I've got Trevor Lawrence still going to Jacksonville. Justin Fields to the Jets, Mac Jones to the 49ers. So now we're at 11 with Chicago, and they traded to get to that pick. But if they had to trade again, it probably would go with Trey Lance at this point, the way that the board has fallen, right? Because I think in an ideal world, Trey Lance is the kind of guy that can both run it and can both pass it, right? We've seen him do that a little bit at North Dakota State. Now it's been a long time since he's been able to do that. And I think that one start that he had – against the Arizona Cardinals showed that he's probably not quite ready yet to take over as a full-time starter with San Francisco. But the thing that Matt Nagy wanted to do with Justin Fields and talked about it a lot was give him that Patrick Mahomes type red shirt year that he experienced with Kansas City. So now I think we see that if Trey Lance could go there and you still have the Red Rocket and Andy Dalton, maybe that's something that they would feel comfortable with. And, you know, now we've seen Justin Fields take over and he's done a good enough job. But Trey Lance, I think, would still be in a good situation if he went to Chicago, got that red shirt year, and then who knows what would happen next. And, look, if Trey Lance had trickled past number three, there may have been other teams that tried to trade up to get him. There was some chatter that maybe Washington would do that. There was also a thought that that Lance's representation really didn't quite know where the bottom would be if he wasn't taken at number three. And I don't know enough about what the Bears were thinking when they traded up to get Fields to be confident they would trade up to get Lance. But if they trade up from 20 to 11, given the way the boards played out for me with Fields, Lawrence, and Wilson gone, then, yeah, Lance would be the guy they would trade up to get, not Mac Jones. I think that's simple. And even though the Bears aren't winning... I do think Fields is the best of the bunch from an overall ability standpoint, and maybe we would be saying the same thing about Lance if he had had the opportunity 
to come in and play and develop. You know, that's the problem in San Francisco. And Kyle Shanahan was asked about this yesterday. Three straight games, not a single game rep for Trey Lance, even though he's healthy. And Shanahan talked about the importance of being out there and reading defenses and being blitzed and having to make those decisions. Well, you're not giving him a chance to do it, which is only going to make it harder for him next year. Every rep he takes this year is a heads up, is an advance, is money in the bank to get him ready for next year. And he may not be ready next year either. They may have to keep Garoppolo around for 2022. Well, it's just, I mean, like, but if you're going to do that, then why in the world would you trade up that high to get that guy in the first place, right? This just everything that they've done just kind of doesn't make much sense. Well, well I don't know. Percocets. <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not try, trust me if i didn't get in trouble this morning after what we did with the bad officiating calls i'm golden we're just joking okay. we're not suggesting that anyone actually is maybe or has used drugs in anticipation of exercising their picks in the draft all right so what there do the patriots go. do at 15 with mac jones gone and trevor lawrence gone justin fields and trey lance also off the board under your scenario do they take zach wilson or do they say Nah, we'll take somebody else altogether. I think they would have taken somebody else altogether. I feel like if the board had played out this way, they probably trade down. Maybe somebody else comes up and gets Zach Wilson. But I don't necessarily see Zach Wilson playing for the New England Patriots. And I mean, I don't know if that's just my bias based on what I've seen from him in the league at this point. But I don't know. I, I just I don't feel like he's the kind of quarterback that exactly fits what they want to do. And I mean, we could have said the same thing about Cam Newton, I suppose, but I just, I don't know. I, it just doesn't seem like it's the right fit to me. Zach Wilson and the new England Patriots. So I think that they probably would have traded down and somebody else could have had Zach Wilson. Um, you know, I, I don't disagree with that. Although if there was a way, and this is all hypothetical on hypothetical on hypothetical, but I think the fact that Zach Wilson hasn't become what the Jets thought he was going to be could actually attract Bill Belichick to showing the Jets how it's Mm. done. Here's how you turn this guy into a franchise quarterback. Under my scenario, though, Mac Jones is still available, although we know what would have happened. If Jones is there past three, somebody's trading up to get Mac Jones. One of these teams, other than the Bears or Patriots, will end up, with Mac Jones at four, five, six, seven, eight, wherever. Patriots aren't going to get him unless they trade up to get him, given what we know now. All right, fun exercise, completely meaningless, but still enjoyable look at how the quarterbacks would be redrafted if there was an opportunity to do it. And here we are. They're working hard in the control room to prepare the graphics to show how we see it happening if they were going to do it again. So now you know, and now you can make your own list. Play along at home if you want, because none of it means anything. It just gives us something to talk about on one of the slower Wednesdays in recent weeks because no starting quarterbacks ended up being secretly unvaccinated today other than Joe Flacco, but nobody really cares about that. Let's take a break. Fan drama in San Francisco involving snack food. Confused? I hope so. I am too. Be right back. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Interesting postscript to Monday night's game between the, I can't believe this happened, Los Angeles Rams and San Francisco 49ers. And look, the 49ers uh, and their fan base, very, very rabid. Be careful when you tread into, you know, the opponent's territory. Kelly Stafford apologized for throwing a pretzel at a fan during an altercation at the 49ers game. And we're, hey, I like stories like this because people are human. Okay? People get emotional. People give in to those emotions from time to time. You got to know how to control yourself, though, when you're in the public eye, when you're the spouse of a player, when you're a family member of a player. You can't be throwing food at people and expect it to not become a thing. It became a thing. We're all big brother carrying around the cameras that record these things. And uh, I, I think it's a funny story. It could have ended a lot uglier than it did folks general word of advice refrain from throwing food at anyone anywhere 
any place except in the cafeteria during grade school because, you know, you got to be in a good food fight once in your life. Other than that, we, we do not condone the throwing of food. I was never in a good food fight, which is kind of like a disappointing thing in my life. You know, one of the things that I just never got to experience was a really good food fight. I don't know, Mike, what was your best food fight? Did you like win a food fight when you were a kid? No, back in no, the I, 1930s. I was never, no, <laughs> now, see, that was just gratuitous. I have no problem. It really was. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> with making an old man comment when I talk about how we only had three TV channels back in the 70s and they start playing the piano music. But when you just hit me over the head with it and suggest that I am grossly older than I really am, then that's that's a low bluff. But no, you know, I grew up at a time when our parents were, at least my parents were, my parents were older than most of the other kids' parents, but my parents grew up during the Depression. So there was this this very, like, sacred thing about food because they yes. grew up at a time when it wasn't enough. So the last thing you were going to do with food was throw it at somebody. And if somebody threw it at you, what you were going to do was scoop it off your shirt and eat it. That So, no, I was never in a good food fight. I would have just been sitting there eating all the food that hit me and not throwing it back at the other participants in the food fight. So how about like this, though? You won. I won the food eating. fight. I got free food. Yes. It's like yeah, Halloween. Exactly. Yeah, that's winning. It's yes. Halloween with hamburgers <laughs> and hot dogs instead of candy bars and lollipops. So uh, give me give me a, a fan incident, a fan moment that you may have had at some point in your life attending games. Have you ever had one of those? The, uh, so, I mean, when the, the way the Coliseum was structured, uh, we had to go from the press box all the way down to the field through the stands in order to like actually get to the post-game locker room press conferences of the Coliseum, which is part of why that place was a dump and it's much nicer covering games at SoFi. But I guess my like weirdest fan interaction actually came when I was in St. Louis because somebody recognized me at a banana Republic and was like trying to talk to me about Rams football, which like, I, I was very cool in some ways, like, Oh, you know, people know who I am. Like that's nice and it's flattering and it's sort of humbling. But at the same time, it's like, I'm trying to buy a sweater. Like I just, I don't need you this. big time to fan. Wow. <laughs> no, that's not saying that's not wow. saying I'm big time. I'm that's trying to buy a sweater. Excuse me. You pee on. No, 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 I didn't do that. I'm just saying that it was like that you're talking about weird fan experiences. That's probably the weirdest one of my life. <laughs> I, I uh, I'll never forget. I, and look, it's no secret. I grew up a Vikings fan. We, we all had a team that we followed when we were kids that created the passion for the sport. And I grew up a Vikings fan in Steelers country. And I had never seen the Vikings play. The year was 1989. The month was September. The Vikings were coming to town week three for a game against the Steelers, who had lost 51 to nothing week one to your Cleveland Browns in Pittsburgh, of all places. And then they went to Cincinnati and lost 41 to 10. So the Steelers, bad. The Vikings, Super Bowl aspirations. That would be the year they would eventually trade for Herschel Walker, and they made it to the playoffs, but they, they didn't do very well once they got there. But I made the mistake of showing up for the game, with jersey, coat, hat. I'm all in. Oblivious to the practical realities that the fans of the home team don't really appreciate that kind of stuff. And if it just so happens that the team that had previously lost by a combined score of 92 to 10 actually is winning the game in the third <laughs> quarter, then they start letting you hear it. And, Miles, I remember the feeling distinctly. And we ended up trading up tickets, and we sat in the front row, which was the worst place to sit at Three River Stadium Ooh. because if you're in the front row behind the bench, you can't see the field, which, yeah. which, was, a, which was a little bit of a problem. I mean, we were behind the Vikings bench, and you could hear all kinds of things like what the bleep is going on out there because they were losing. But there was a point where it was so bad, I just wished I could dig a hole and emerge on the banks of the Monongahela River and just walk home. <laughs> it was that bad. And I'll wow. never forget that. I just wanted it to be over and get the hell out of there. That that was the worst. And I went to two other Vikings games in Pittsburgh after that. And I I dressed completely neutral fashion. No indication of any rooting interest. No cheering. No clapping. It was press box rules for me for all future Vikings Steelers games. It was probably a smart decision by you. Definitely smart decision by you. All right, let's take a break now. We're going to answer some questions from the PFTPM mailbag when this Wednesday edition of the program continues right after this. 
the little dance that you hit after you scored. Yeah. Who taught you that? Uh, no one taught me that. My my brother my brother was doing it for a while, and then also you know my my roommate in college my freshman year Naji Naji would would do the dance a lot. He's from the Bay Area, and I think that's a Bay Area thing, right? Uh, but I, I man I I thought that thing is was cool when I seen it. So learned how to do it, then started doing it, then started doing it. But yeah. It was good fun. Good fun out there, you know, especially when you score and uh, you're with the guys. Good fun, man. But Wish I'd never seen that. You know what, too? He's got the David Carr. I'm cutting off the sleeve to show off my guns. I think he's trying to convince people he's not as slight of build as maybe he looks when he's in his pads. He looks a little, I don't know, maybe he's just eaten a lot of food since last Thursday. He looks a little larger there. He looks a little thicker because one of my concerns about Tua is he's just not, you know, he's not stout enough like a Russell Wilson. He's not built to withstand the pounding, but uh, looking a little looking a little thick there. Maybe he ate well this week, celebrated that 22-10 victory over the Ravens last week. Speaking of Russell Wilson, Miles, let's get to the mailbag. Niners forever 16. Who has a better chance of staying with his current team after this year, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay or Russell Wilson in Seattle? It's interesting because, I mean, obviously before the season, I think we would have said neither. But based on the way the seasons are going right now for both of these two teams, I would say that it's probably Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. It's also probably because what we saw from Jordan Love against the Kansas City Chiefs, right? That dude did not look like he was ready to come in next year and be the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, especially considering he's had a year to be in that system, year and a half, really. He couldn't even score a point against Kansas City Chiefs defense. I mean, I know that they've been playing better, but I just feel like at this point, you're probably going to see the Green Bay Packers do everything they possibly can to make sure Aaron Rodgers stays there in Green Bay, whereas the way things are going right now for Seattle, he, Russell Wilson probably going to want to go somewhere else that he feels like has a better shot of winning. Zero points scored last weekend, three and six, and – it doesn't feel like they're going to magically turn this around. I agree with you. And look, Packers understand the importance of keeping Aaron Rodgers. And as they pass the hat in the form of non-stock stock, they're going to end up with an extra $90 million that they can use to do whatever it is they want to do, including giving Aaron Rodgers more money to make him happy and feel good about sticking around. 37, Goat Seahawk. Any reasonable chance... Geno Smith starts in place of Russell Wilson, given the latter's poor performance against the Packers and rushing him back from injury. Geno Smith versus Colt McCoy would be a very fun game. I don't think there's any way. On what planet? I mean, I, I, first of all, they would have to physically restrain Russell Wilson in the locker room to keep him from <laughs> yeah. going out onto the field, even if he wasn't in uniform. I mean, he was out on the field when his finger was was surgically repaired and a pin was sticking out of it you couldn't keep him off the field he went out to do the coin toss in overtime of the game against the saints so no there's no way they're gonna if they would not let russell wilson play after everything he did to get ready to go that would be it they may as well just cut him at that point because he'd never play for them again if they wouldn't let him play it's it's a fun question but it's not going to happen do you agree Um, i don't even know if that's a fun question man like colt mccoy versus geno smith is a better matchup than russell wilson and kyler murray get out of here please last one real quickly shami i always have a hard time with these shamim daddy i don't know has there been any todd Gurley rumors since is that is that like a i always worry is that like a like a, an improper phrase that somebody slipped through the goalie? Is that like Molly? No, I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> good. The way, reacted, rumors, no. the way you reacted. The way you reacted. Anyway, yeah, have there been any Todd Gurley rumors saying. since the Ravens were going to work him out in August? There's been nothing about Todd Gurley. That knee. It's it's a shame. Offensive Player of the Year four years ago, and now not even in the NFL. We're done. Thanks for joining us. See you tomorrow. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.